Independent yet all the same Left the labels but still following the rules Doing it their way it is a different world with creatives on campus where we explore all things creatives, campus culture, and community. I am your host, Brittany T, and I am really excited for today's interview as I am here today uh, speaking with Ms. Shai Williams. A little bit about Shai. She is a professional speaker, author, former detective, born and raised right here in Plainfield, New Jersey where she started her higher education career at Montclair State University, obtaining her Bachelor of Art and Justice Studies and a Master of Art in Law and Government. Government. Governance. All right, Brittany. <laughs> Shai is currently a doctoral candidate studying organizational leadership with a 4.0 GPA at Stockton University and an officer candidate to become a second lieutenant in the New Jersey Army National Guard. And so much more that we'll learn more about Shai. But first, I just want to say, Shai, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. I, pre I greatly appreciate it. Of course, of course. So you have a lot going on in terms of just experience, background. Um, just tell us a little bit from your own words, who you are and how all of these different things that you've done and that you're doing kind of work together and intersect with, with your entrepreneurial path you're on now. Um, yeah, I'm just a virtuous woman who has a big heart. Um, okay. And a little bit about my story uh, like I went into working in law enforcement because I have a big heart, right? And I wanted to do a, I wanted to have a, a career where it was constantly changing, right? No two days were alike. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with law enforcement and being a detective. But, you know, I quickly started to see the injustices, you know, just working in a, in an urban community and immediately, not immediately, but by my second year becoming inquisitive about, you know, why are we living like this? You know, how, how could this be in the United States of America? You know, how could this mm. be that you have poverty, you have people who are struggling, people who are not receiving adequate education in, the, in a country like United, the United States? Um, so, you know, mm. that's where my social justice part came in. And I, I started to see where my virtues were not aligned with what I was doing. And wow. I stepped out truly on faith. You know, it was, it was bothering me. It was, it just did not, it's just not aligned with who I, who I am as a woman, as a person, as a human being. And I wanted to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And, you know, America is, it does not like to receive constructive criticism. Um, mm. and, and if you know any history about people who are activists and who have spoken out about injustices, you know, it does not end well for them. So for me, it's just knowing that, knowing that part of the history of America, I wanted to, I wanted to take the initiative to get out on my own. Um, and that's what I do now, you know, as a, as a professional speaker, as an author, I go around to schools and I teach our youth how to interact with the police. Um, wow. And, you know, my dissertation is, sub, um, subject is about race, truth, and policing. You know, so it's just, it's, for me, it's, it's not simply just exposing, you know, what goes on, but it's about building awareness. Because, right. to be honest, 
law enforcement does need to change. You know, we're, we're operating off of practices and methods that were used back in the day. And we have evolved tremendously and the industry has not. So we have some catching up to do. And that's, wow. that's, what, that's what I'm all about. I think you've touched on so many good things that I love and I, I want to revisit the first one you said being, you know, the work that you were doing within law enforcement, you saw that your personal virtues were not aligned. And it makes me think, you know, this podcast is, is geared to the college creative or even to the, the college dropout or a person who essentially is aware of their gifts and their um, individuality and is really seeking something more they call this generation the purpose over paycheck generation so you talking about your virtues not being aligned i think that's something that our listeners will definitely be able to relate to um and 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 maybe just if you could speak to that a little bit more like what 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 do you say to uh a person who's in a career right now where they don't feel like it's a good fit for them for maybe political reasons, organizational, but maybe just it's just not a good fit for their their, their values. Um, but having to balance the idea of maintaining their household and the bills they have and their family and not really wanting to take that leap. What? How did you take that leap to get from <laughs> everyday job into now being an author and writer and speaker? Yes, I, I, I took the leap. Uh, I was kind of forced to take the leap, but I truly believe everything happens for a reason. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I had a a lieutenant colonel in the army ask me this this past weekend. You know, what is my what is my view about failure? And I said, failure. I embrace failure because it 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 builds, it gives you life lessons, right? It teaches you. There's there's no greater teacher than failure. Um, but I would say, you know, for for me, you know, I was kind of forced to take that leap. Um, and it's difficult, but I would say for a person who is in their career and, you know, their virtues are not aligned with what their organization's mission is or practice is, you know, I would say start setting up a plan for your exit. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot, like I've heard, I've heard a lot of, you know, business coaches or career coaches tell people like once you, you know, your first day in the job, you should, you should already start planning your exit, right? You know, you never get too yeah. on the job. Um, you know, stay there for two years or three years and, you know, start preparing for your exit. So for someone who is struggling um, in that area or a challenge rather in that area and, you know, there's not, there's a misalignment, I would say just set yourself up, right? Have a plan. It's always good to, to have a plan. Um, so this way that you can, your you can soften your fall, right? So mm-hmm. for me, um, you know, I, <laughs> I fell, got scraped up, once the uh, knees got scraped up, elbows scraped up, and you know me just having the tenacity and the determination uh, to not fail. Right, that's one of my one of my methods is you know failure is not an option. So I get up, I dust myself off, and I keep moving. You know, and I have to make some changes where I had a lifestyle that you know was you know I was going on vacation a lot, um, and I had to I had to step back a lot tremendously you know mm-hmm. i had steady income and as an entrepreneur you know you don't have that that steady income you know you have to create you have to create uh, opportunities for you to be able to get money and and build residual income but you know i understand that you know a lot of people a lot of americans you know they go to work 
every day and they are not happy in their job. Um, so you just have to prepare yourself so that when you take that leap, that you could just soften the blow and it's not, you know, it's, it's not going to hurt too much or you have to make too much of a change. But I would say truly follow your passion, you know? So for me, even though I financially am not making the money that I was making as a full-time detective, this has been, this has truly been one of my most satisfying years, you know, like mm-hmm. someone, well, I, I constantly get, you know, people watch my videos on Instagram and they would tell me you have this glow. Like I was constantly get it. And it's, and when you hear that and, you know, throughout this year, not only did I walk away from law enforcement, but I also, you know, I lost my grandmother unexpectedly, you know, and mm-hmm. her and I were extremely close. And I just recently lost my uncle uh, two months ago, three months ago now, June. But, and so for someone to tell me that, you know, I'm walking in my purpose, I'm following my passion and, and I'm not answering to anyone, you know, like I truly am an individual. Um, and I know, like, I know how to play the game or play in the game, shall I say. But mm-hmm. I'm very innovative. You know, I like to push the envelope if something is not right. I have no problem speaking out against it. And, you know, that does not work in monotonous career paths, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to accept that and realize that I am more than just a career detective. You know, and most people who go into that career path, you know, that's, that's all that they have. So you have to recognize your differences and learn how to play the game and just make your, your exit as smooth as possible. Uh, but don't just be smart with it. Smart with your exit. You know, I would say, don't just jump, you know, have a plan, prepare, yourself, you know, so this way, again, you just soften that, that fall because that the fall is going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one thing you can guarantee the fall will definitely happen, but you want to make sure that you are, are comfortable financially right right yeah i think i think you're bringing up a lot of good points um about preparation um again i I just know so many different aspiring or emerging entrepreneurs and creatives and artists and you know however people identify that um that that love to create right but don't like the process they don't like to have to plan to build to you know actually be strategic and what does that even mean so i really appreciate you talking about these fundamental things that you know are not necessarily always the most fun because they take time and they take thought and they take effort but are absolutely absolutely important um i want to can i say this my my business coach always says this people want what it looks like but they don't want to do the work absolutely you know so you know, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to step out and and work towards you know their passion, and and that's great. You know, I I encourage it, but you got to do the work. You know, and it's it's truly an up and down process, right? It's not steady. It's a truly up. It truly is an up and down process, and you have to prepare yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, because mm-hmm. it, it truly is an emotional roller coaster. You know, no two days are like. You know, no two months are alike. You know, you, you can get a, a, a client come in and then you get this, this big offer. And, you know, you may, be, you may have, to, have to depend on that offer for the entire month. You, mm-hmm. know, you, may have, you, you know, you may go cold. 
for a while, but you know, you just have to prepare yourself. And that's why I say, you know, as you're planning your exit, you know, just plan your preparation. Don't just, don't just jump. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just switch gears a little bit and talk about your experience um, within law enforcement. I I, I really just think you're going to have a lot of value to contribute. Um, There's so much conversation right now um, in our country about law enforcement and there's so much tension between law enforcement and the black community. Um, even with this new film that just came out, Ava DuVernay, When They See Us, um, it just continues to build what I see as um, a certain hostility. And then thinking about it even differently, I think, you know, I haven't watched the film yet because I don't think I'm in the space right now where I need to see it. And at some point I will watch it, but I'm really being mindful about even guarding my my mental and my you know my health right as a person who has to engage and interact and be a part of this society it's like i don't want to be overloaded with these images all the time when they're always in our face it seems like these days how can you even speak to us about just just practically what we can do in terms of safeguarding ourselves and um even being able to to still like you, you framed it, play in the game when we are being confronted with these types of images and this awareness and realities that we, you know, I think we've always been aware of, but not at this magnitude. Um, truthfully speaking, we as Black people, minorities, we have to understand that there's no, there's no opportunity, there's no room for mistakes. Like mm-hmm. we don't get that, we don't have that second chance opportunity. Right. So we have to take advantage of the first opportunity because mm-hmm. any any mistake that we make is going to be capitalized. Right. Uh, we're going to either possibly be made an example out of um, and we have to understand that. And I, for me, I haven't seen the full series of when they see us. Um, but I saw like the first episode and it's a trigger for me, you know, because mm-hmm. of every like me working in law enforcement and me leaving law enforcement for similar reasons so for me it's a trigger so I have to you know protect my energy and slowly incorporate um watching that right into my into my energy into my area mm-hmm. so so for so I would just say for us we have to understand what we are up against right reality you know reality is that the criminal justice system the judicial system is is against us right we're mm-hmm. not you know a, a, a person, our peer, our counterparts can commit the same crime, but will not get the same, the same, the same uh, outcome as far as you know their charges are concerned or their time in which they serve. So mm-hmm. we have to be aware of that. You know, like we just cannot make any mistakes. So we have to go above and beyond to you know keep a clean head. You know, to keep a clean rap sheet because. You know, our our walks of life, our daily functions, um, our atmospheres are completely different from our peers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow because it's almost like, well, why should we have to take all these precautions and why do we have to be, you know, on point all the time and. 
I mean, but I think you're right. I think it's just the reality of knowing the world we live in and and just being wise. Um, just a matter of wisdom. Yeah, knowing that the odds are against us, right? Knowing that the odds are against us and knowing that our back is constantly against the wall and that mm-hmm. we have to show up, right? We have to show up. Um, and I look at it, like, for me, like, why I do all of this is because I, I'm trying to... I'm trying to break up the, like a lot of people said a generational curse. I don't think it's just a generational curse. I look at it as a cultural curse. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to break that up. You know, I, I think that we as black people, we, we should be able to excel, that we should not have to always be on point. You know, our, our children, our young black boys, they should be able to walk around you know, um, in any clothing in which they are attired that they would like to, of course, with being presentable, um, without having to think like, oh, I can't do this because of the color of my skin. Or we as black mm-hmm. women bond this way because of because of us being a double minority, being black and being female. You know, mm-hmm. like why can't we just be ourselves and be accepted in this world? Yeah. You know, so for me, it's like, I just want to break up that, that cultural curse because this it is a generational curse but it's 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 constantly happening you know it happens to you know, my parents my parents parents you know my, my parents 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 so for right. me i look at it like it's it's not just a generation like this is happening across america you know to various black people so to me i look at it like a cultural curse mm-hmm. no i like that i think that i think that's definitely a good perspective um what what is the number one of the trainings that you do what is the number one tip that you tell young people in terms of how to engage the police you have to know your audience you have to know who's in front of you and like i always tell them there's a time and place for everything and when you're stopped by the police officer whether it's in a car or on the street that's not the courtroom that's not the time and place for that because Mm. You know, you, you gotta, you have to pick your battle. And like I always say, you know, give them what they're asking for. Don't have an attitude because as you want to make it quick as possible, you know, from a car stop to a pedestrian stop, give them what they want. You know, there's some place and everything. Everyone has a boss. So, you know, and every officer has like their, their on their badge or their nameplate, their name and their badge number, right? So, Handle the situation of where we're currently stopped at, whether it's a motor vehicle stop or a pedestrian stop, and then go down to the headquarters of the police department um, and make your complaint there. And then at that point, that's when you take no for an answer. You know, everyone has like every police department has an internal affairs, but that's like cops like have big egos, right? How dare you mm-hmm. tell me how to do my job? Oh, sir, you can't pull me over. What you pull me over for? Uh, I didn't do anything that automatically makes them become irate, right? Because it's like, who dare, how dare you? Like I have, I have the authority and that's how we're trained, right? Mm. And police Academy, which I have an issue with the way in which we're trained, you know, we're trained to, to be authoritative, right? You control mm. that stop. You control that, uh, the, the air atmosphere, the climate in which you're in, you control that. So when we're, when we're conditioned to think this way, we're conditioned, we're trained to have every encounter, we are in charge. Shut up, listen to me, I'm, I'm running the show. And you're constantly being questioned. 
you know, you're going to, you're going to do whatever is necessary to regain control of that encounter because you're trained to be in charge. So how yeah. dare you stay here and question me? So that's why I say it's an uphill battle. That's not the time and place for you to argue why they stopped you, get it over and done with, and then go to the police department and make your complaint immediately, right then and there. Right. Before it, before it escalates even further, before the, before the report is even approved or possibly before the report is even written, you know, at that mm -hmm. point, you can address it before the ticket is even handed in. You know, that's I, that's my advice that I give to a lot of people when I talk about the police encounter. It's a time and place for everything, and on the street, literally, is not the time and place. Right. No, I, I think that's great advice, and it's something that I guess I even need to take heed of for my own self because, you know, I have been that person who you know, just is frustrated with like, why are you even stopping me? And, and want to know, like, before I hand over credentials, like, but why, you know? Um, and so, no, that's, that's really great. That's really great, you know, just advice. And like I said, something I guess I need to even think about for myself. Um, and I, was, I, I was honest with you, like, I, before I even became a cop, that was mm -hmm. my brother, my younger brother, he had just bought a um a s-class mercedes-benz mm. fresh off of the dealer right um parking lot we're, and we're driving um and we're in north plainfield at this time we're crossing over from plainfield to north plainfield and plainfield is an urban town north plainfield just give a little background plainfield is, a, is an urban town north plainfield is a little suburban middle class and you know we're crossing over and we're pulled over by the by a cop a police officer and my brother immediately asked, you know, why, why you pull me over? And he said, oh, because you have a tail light that's out. And I'm thinking to myself, literally, like, <laughs> I said something to the cop, like, what do you mean? This is a brand new car. <laughs> like, we literally just drove it off the lot a couple hours ago. There's no way a tail mm. light is. You know, and here I am being vocal, right? So I've, I've been there before. I know, how, I understand how it is. But, you know, we're like this because of our experiences and our exposure to law enforcement or whether it's us ourselves um or a family member or a close friend you know so mm -hmm. we develop you know we develop these practices because of our own experiences but you know when you have someone like myself who has been in the field who knows what it's like and been on the inside and i'm telling i'm explaining that's not the proper approach you know that's right you know that's a gateway to some of the, you know, some of the ordeals in which we have had, unfortunately, and it's just not right, you know, so it's just educating our people on just how to interact, what to expect, so this way, you know, we can address it appropriately and safely. Yeah, safely, I guess, being the biggest thing, for yeah. sure. Um, just switching gears one more time, like, I, I know we were... I feel like this time is going by so fast and I still have so many, so many more questions, but um, you are now a student at Stockton University and um, working on your doctorate and um, as, a, as an entrepreneur even, um, how have your educational experiences been um, as a student of color, as an entrepreneur, as a person who, like you mentioned earlier, has pretty strong values and virtues. Um, how has that experience been for you? 
Um, my experience in higher education, for me, has been tremendous. Um, and I'll start with my experience at Montclair State University. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, it could it be in addition to me being recruited to play basketball there and being in the athletic program, I think that is a key component of it. But um, also, I've learned, my freshman year, I, was on, I, I finished on academic probation. And so my back was against the wall. Uh, I wasn't truly prepared for college, to mm-hmm. be honest, academically. Uh, I went in, I just wanted to play basketball and not realizing that I'm a student athlete and student comes before athlete. Uh, and mm-hmm. I just play ball. Um, and I was, you know, I got injured and, and you know, also all I wanted to do was play ball. So when I got injured, you know, I immediately went into this form of depression, sadness, because I wasn't able to play. Like I literally had to sit on the sideline and watch my, my teammates play. But and that, I don't want to say that cause for my academics to fall. To be honest, I was not prepared again. I was not prepared academically for college uh, as far as my reading and my writing skills. Um, and I had to take extra courses to bring me up to speed to the college level. But when I realized that I only had literally one semester to change things around, otherwise I was going to be sent back home and I was going to fail out of school. For, again, mm-hmm. I, my thought process was failure is not an option. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And I wanted to prove to people and myself, most importantly, that I belong there, right? Because you have like the statistics of the, like most of freshman students do not come back their second year, let mm-hmm. alone graduate. So I didn't want to be part of that, right? So this is the weight, right? Especially as a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. Also, you know, the the inadequate education, all of that was just on my brain. Like I do not want to be a statistic. So I started what I did was I had a tutor through the athletic program, but I went above and beyond. I did more than what was expected. I got a few tutors and I just put all my effort into my academics. So for me, I, I quickly learned when I got off offered academic probation and I made the dean's list. I got like a little taste of success through me just putting in a little bit more effort. And I said, oh, so intelligence or being smart, like, you know, how they teach us in school, like growing up in grade school, it's not really about, you know, how much do you know? It's all about your work ethic. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, you know, that's my theory. That's based off of my experience. Um, so for me, it was like, Oh, all I have to do is just, you know, work harder, you know, outwork the person next to me or, you know, the outwork the smartest person in the room. And, you know, I can to be looked upon as smart. Um, and that I really just learned that like every institution or schools have resources out there to help us. Mm-hmm. And it's us to go out and and benefit from them, right? Take advantage of the property. So for me, once I learned that, you know, once I once I, you know, fell, you know, got crazy, and had a little taste of success, you know, for me, I just took off at that point. And so for me, I think higher education, for me, it was like really, it really built me up, right? It really showed my character and Mm -hmm. just showed me that anything is possible as long as you are willing to work hard. And I I truly believe that, you know, if, if, I truly believe that, you know, if everyone has the opportunity to go to college, to grow because then you have like you build up that into like your individual right you you have to be you have to be independent right you don't have to depend on your parents anymore you learn how to 
if things don't go your way, how to, you know, how to, you know, communicate with a professor or a dean, mm -hmm. you know, to just, just to um, be able to come out successful. But for me, I, I'm all for higher education. Um, in regards to, you know, whether we as, as um, minorities have access to people that we can relate to, you know, I, I had a dean, Dean James Harris on campus. Um, and he does not know how much his presence meant so much to me. Like, mm -hmm. I would have, a, whenever I see him out, you know, he was very interpersonal, he had great interpersonal skills. And, you know, we would stop and we would talk. And it was just, just seeing his face on campus throughout, throughout the day, walking through the student center, um, that gave me hope. And that's why I truly believe that representation is essential because it, it does build hopes, it, it builds dreams, and it, it just gives you this, this unparalleled motivation. At least that was my experience, mm -hmm. um, being able to communicate with that person so they can understand like what you're going through. Yeah, I, I think, and while you're talking, I'm, I'm listening to you, and I think you're making a really great point. Um, which is about the whole idea of being disciplined and, you know, um, being able to build up a work ethic. And I think for me, the, the injustice as I see it, because like you, I'm a doctoral student, but from an educational leadership standpoint, um, going based off your feedback, the injustice that I see is more so with the motivation to be disciplined. And so, the culture and the environment not necessarily being one that necessarily reflects students of color and ones that reflect their experiences or even culturally, aesthetically, um, higher education is this very like, you know, come in, get the work done, do what you need to do. And of course there's the extracurricular things and the student organizations, but the actual learning experience itself and my personal experience for, you know, learning purposes, it just doesn't reflect, if I could be very informal, my vibe, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it just doesn't reflect my vibe. So um, I think the motivation, the motivation to even be disciplined for me per personally as a student has lacked. And like you, I mean, I've gone through some experiences where probation, I was at a point of, you know, where in jeopardy of losing my financial aid. And that kind of like whipped me into shape. Um, and, and it caused me to have to, to try harder and be better, but it wasn't because I genuinely cared about the experience of being better or getting good grades or actually even walking away with the actual knowledge based portion of what was trying to be conveyed. It was more so like, let me just do what I have to do to get through this experience. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the types of students that I'm concerned about is, do we have a generation of students who are like, you know, parents are pushing them into college or even they think they want to go to college and they're getting there. And it's more of this like regurgitation of information that I get to spit out for a test, but then I, I walk away and really don't care anymore about it. Mm -hmm. or, or are the experiences in the classroom ones that are meaningful and relevant and, and building practical value, um, maybe not for the workforce as they know it, but maybe even for their own creative purpose. Um, I, I guess those are just some of the questions that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about. But I, I, I totally agree with you about the work ethic and discipline 
and that's what I think. Like for me, like I, I get what you're, I, I get what you're saying uh, completely. You know, academia, or should I say, academics, higher education, and even education as a whole. Like we're 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 going at the same approach as you know when we were coming up, as our parents were coming up, mm-hmm. and we're push that that process, those practices, onto you know this new generation, and you know having an expectation issue. Right, because these are like out the people who are younger than us, uh, who are currently in college. You know, their thought process is different. You know, it's all about mm-hmm. like what is this going to do for me. I mean, we all have that that thought process. What is this going to do for me? But they they truly want to know what is this going to do for me. Like no, mm-hmm. like this generation, I even like millennials, we don't want to work a nine to five. You know, like you said before, it's purpose over paycheck. Like. Mm-hmm. I want to go to. I want to do something that is going to be valuable to me. Something that I'm going to truly enjoy. I do not want to have, you know, that generational curse where I'm gonna I'm gonna work 30 years, 25 years in a career that I just hate because I gotta pay bills. Right, right. That's my thought process today, you know. So even as you know, even higher education has to understand that as well. Um, that people are looking for or students are looking for, you know, those, those professors who have practical experience in addition mm-hmm. to that, they, they can truly learn to learn from them and be able to connect. So, right. know, we, have to, we have to change our approach. Yeah. And I heard a, I heard a, a mentor of mine who, who was a professor, you know, she, she kind of said to me like, you know what, Brittany, at the end of the day, as, as a professor, it's not really our job. She was like, what it sounds like is you want, a mentor out of a professor out of an instructor and that's not really our job our job is to teach you mm-hmm. and and then to move on and and so um you know i i even thought that was interesting and thinking about it that way where you know some some you know individuals within academia don't even see it as a responsibility to do any more than just kind of come in and put a curriculum together and and that be the end of it um that's sad. It, it is and that's sad to me because like when you get down to your your core course requirements right and you you're being taught by someone who's a subject expert and the field in which you are seeking right i'm coming to you for advisory even though you're not an advisor right because most mm-hmm. most assistant associate professors tenure professors like they have to like one of their requirements is to to do advising to students right unless you're an adjunct like you don't you don't have that responsibility but you're in the field and i want to learn from you that's what i'm taking right like so you like me as a student as a paying student yes i have an expectation so you know i i I completely disagree with that it's not just let me just teach you and then you know that interaction is done no, I want to learn from you. I want to know about your experience. And I think that's the problem. Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is, I think that's the problem with academia. Like where, like, you know, I'm getting my EDD. Um, you're a doctor, so I'm not sure if you're getting an EDD or a PhD. But for EDD me, also. Yeah, so, for, yeah, so for me, I'm in the, I'm in the phase of, of trying to get into the academia and, and teach at a higher education level. And my pushback is, you know, oh, we want somebody, you know, they obviously have one someone with a theoretical PhD, but those are the the individuals who don't really have the practical experience. And I think mm-hmm. you know, you know, what we're sitting here talking about is the reason why you're getting, you know, that that 
those type of results. Like, oh, well, we're just here to teach you and that be done because, you know, can they really, you know, provide you with advisement on how it is in the real world, you know, practical experience? No, mm-hmm. not, I, and, you know, I, I talk about that when I do my, my interviews, like I bring both, you know, I bring the practical experience and I bring the theoretical part as well because I like to do research. So, you, you know, in the classroom, you know, teach the student is getting all the best of me and not just one-sided, you know, but I think, you know, I just think that, you know, you have, you're in a leadership role, you're looked at as someone who is knowledgeable and you should see yourself as a mentor. Right. You're, you're impacting the future. How could you not? Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And, and I just, I, I believe it'll get better. I hope it'll get better with more people like yourself, um, you know, contributing in different ways. I, I really, as, as unhopeful as I sound, I do have hope. You know, but it, but it's like, it's one of those things that I'm personally, even at a doctoral level, I'm personally challenged with, you know, professors and um, faculty who, who even understand my point of research and the things that I'm interested in, 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 you know, even talking about as a creative, you know, I'm a, I'm an artist, I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter, but I'm also an educator and I'm trying to bring all these worlds together. And sometimes I don't feel like the faculty reflects me or my generation and, and almost like I'm teaching myself part of the way because of that. And that to me becomes frustrating um, and is, and impacts my motivation to continue because I'm like, you don't even get it. <laughs> you don't even understand, you, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful, which is why I'm, I'm on the path because I want to be that example for, you know, those coming behind me. But it is really one of those things that I have to like, deep dive and just keep my head focused or otherwise I'm, I might just not even do it. <laughs> just being honest. We share some of the similar frustrations, you know, cause I I've done that even with my dissertation. Like I took a pause, I took a pause and I literally, like I go to Barnes and Noble almost like every day and I have, I set aside some time to work on schoolwork. Um, so this way I got really time block. Um, and I took a, a pause in my dissertation and I wanted to start doing research on how to do research because this is something that I truly mm-hmm. do have part of my future um, that I'm mm-hmm. truly passionate about, especially with the topic that I discussed. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, did I just take a research class? But everyone mm-hmm. learns, you know, to, with respect to my professor, you know, everyone learns differently, you know, and mm-hmm. I look at the PowerPoint and I understand that yeah, I can look at the PowerPoints. But for me, like, I have to, like, I got I to gotta get a book, I got to highlight, I got to have a pen. Mm-hmm. You know, my friend changed me. Me going on academic probation completely changed my way of thinking, my way of, 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 of learning, truly. So, you know, everyone learns differently, you know, um, and depending on, you know, what area that you're, you're being taught. But, you know, I, so I, just, I just think that, you know, our generation, you know, we we're spectacular. Like we're, like we're not your traditional yeah. uh, people. So, you know, no ordinary people for sure. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, 
And, you know, I think a lot, like a lot of industries, you know, especially with educa higher education, you know, have to make some adjustments, you know, to catch up to us. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's what we're, I think that's what, you know, we're experiencing now, you know, yeah. like, because it's, you know, I, I've never heard someone that had the same frustration as me as far as, you know, having to teach themselves. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I just went through that last, last semester, like, literally, just went through that. And I was like, hey, okay, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah, I want, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, this dissertation, you know, is on point. <laughs> pretty right. much. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you, you even engaging me in that conversation. I, I think you're the first interview I've done where I've been able to even share in that commonality of even being at a doctorate level and being engaged in higher education and just some of those challenges um, that's even motivated me to do this podcast. Um, and, and, and like you said, just being a very peculiar generation, I think that's what I identify as the creative is just thinking about things differently, knowing that there's more than one way to do things. And for me wanting to be, you know, bring that creative lens to higher education in order to really transform some of the ways we're engaging students. Um, and and the and just building more meaningful experiences that they don't have to go and reteach themselves later on because because it's really conveying and coming across right within the classroom. So thank you, thank you for sharing. And um, just as a final wrap up, because we we're over, but this has been a really great conversation. So it's all good. Um, what what final advice do you have maybe for like? again, as I'm framing, and even as part of my research, framing as the creative, um, which could be the entrepreneur, which could be the artist, which could be the person who's still in discovery mode, but knows that there's something more that they want to do beyond, you know, punching in and out of a job that they don't really care about. What final advice do you have for these types of students that's going to help them get to the finish line um, amidst all of these frustrations? Stay true to who you are. And if you don't know who you are, find who you are. Like, you know, do some soul searching, do some unpacking, but mm -hmm. truly find out who you are. I think that is the first step, you know, staying true to who you are, finding out who you are so you can stay true to who you are. So this way, you know, you're not easily altered or easily turned or easily persuade. You know, you're mm -hmm. able to form your own opinions mm -hmm. and create your own path and walk your own path and, and, and be fearless in it. Right. Uh, because, you know, in today's society, in today's America, you know, you can easily get swayed, you know, one way. Um, mm -hmm. And I look at it like, you know, for me, I'm uneasily moved and, mm -hmm. and, and I am unapologetic in my thoughts and my beliefs and, and what I share, right? And my experience, you know, this, this is my truth. You know, I actually walk mm -hmm. this. I talk about, you know, me going from a detective to a social justice advocate. You know, I have no problem with saying that I was ignorant once upon a time, mm -hmm. you know? And my ignorance came from the condition and the education that America provided me with, right? With deleted and distorted information. So for me, I had to do some unpacking. I had to go out and get the information myself and, and be fearless and, and presenting it and sharing my, what my findings 
and walking my own path and you know not not listening to someone who who says you know you know you have to tone down your you have to tone down your personality you're at a 10 you need to be at a one you, you know you're working in law enforcement you have a good job you know you have benefits you have steady income and me still saying and right <laughs> what, you know what does that mean just be also oh, i'm supposed to turn a a a blind eye and a deaf ear to what i'm witnessing the injustices mm. so that's all part of you know you finding yourself and being comfortable in your skin for you to turn back and face that individual that's not okay it's not okay and i have and i have no problem being the unicorn in the room in the industry in the agency mm. because and for me it's all about my virtues and it's about me being able to lay my head on a pillow at night right now that's 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 my wrap-up that's my advice you know to to anyone no thank you so much for that and just thank you for all the work that you've done and that you're doing and even in your studies um much much encouragement to keep keep going and and to get that that piece of paper that's not just a piece of paper it's really again like you i really do value the research process and all of the you know just light bulb moments that happen happens within the process of learning at this level it's really a valuable experience that um that i hope more more students of color and just more students in general will will aspire to reach. So thank you for sharing that. Just quickly tell us where we can follow you, social media. I know you have um, some events coming up. I'm not sure if they're public or not uh, with some training and even much congratulations on uh, your pinning ceremony that you have coming up. Just tell us really quickly what you have coming up, where we can follow you and, and anything you wanna share. Okay, so you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at I am Shy Williams. Um, also, you can follow me on Facebook. My page and name is Shy Speaks LLC. Um, so I do have two events coming up. Um, one, I have a, a police encounter event at a school in, in, in Edison. Uh, where I'm teaching the students um, how to interact with the police, how to not attend pill parties mm. um, <laughs> it's a little different dynamics but you know just getting out there and explaining to them you know how it starts with pills it starts with weed it's a gate opener um also i have my my pinning ceremony where i will be graduating and being pinned as a second lieutenant and a little backstory about that i have a congratulations thank you thank you i have a world war ii veteran that is pinning me along with my mother and you know, truly, you know, my 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 mission is all for for the culture. You know, educating, empowering, inspiring, and urban. So, you know, having this gentleman be able to pin me where he he enlisted in a segregated army where there were at, during that time of World War Two, no, there were no black officers allowed in the army. So, for him to be able to pin me, it's just monumental and historical. Um, and so. It's gonna be a tearjerker, <laughs> but uh, I'm mm. looking. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, upon completion of a successful phase three, uh, which I have like my last phase coming up, and after that, then I have my pinning ceremony. So I'm excited um, about that. that's what I have going on. Um, and I that the pinning ceremony, I believe we are going to go live. Um, I think I'm gonna have my uh, video, my videographer go live for that because it's 
going to be monumental. So follow me on Instagram and Twitter. You'll be able to see that again at I am Shy Williams. And thank you for having me, Britt. I appreciate it. It's been a phenomenal conversation. Of course, of course. And congratulations again on everything you are doing so much. I'm just like, wow, okay. <laughs> but that is awesome. We will be tuned in. Um, for that and again thank you so much we look forward to continuing the conversation um, as you continue to progress in your studies and everything that you're doing and and just looking to see what other great things you're going to do for our communities and the culture so thank you for the work that you do thank you.